Welcome to First Baptist Church of Terrytown, sharing God's love and hope around the world. Our prayer is that your life is transformed as you hear the Word of God preached today. It's good that you're all here. I'm told that all of you worship the same God as my servant Daniel, Yahweh, the God of Israel. You all know who I am, King Cyrus the Great of the kingdom of Persia. But as you know, kings go by many names, and many of your people have known me as King Darius. I want to tell you about the story of when I first came to power here in the city of Babylon. Many of you were here in the city when that miserable wealth Belshazzar came into power. He was a worthless king. He stole from you, his people, to make his stomach fat. He was an assassin, a liar, a murderer. And even still, when my armies surrounded the city of Babylon, I was still surprised when his top general, Gabrius, came and he wanted to defect to my side, to the Persian Empire. I thought it was a ruse. But when Gabrius told me about how Belshazzar had murdered his only son over an argument about a woman, I could see the pain in his eyes and I knew he was telling me the truth. Gabrius showed how we could lower the water that was going into the city of Babylon just enough to be able to take a group of soldiers under the gates of the well-fortified city and march into the throne room, into the palace. And so we did. We lowered the river that went through the city of Babylon just enough so no one would notice, but so that we could go through the gates. Gabrius led a group of my men in through the city at night and Gabrius himself marched into the throne room and avenged his son on that miserable ruler of yours. And you yourselves know, after that, there was no more fight. For once you heard that Belshazzar was dead, you yourselves threw open the front gates, casting off the corrupt Babylonian empire, inaugurating yourselves into the greatness of Persia. It was a good day. And many of you were here in that city on that moment. Now, I am a warrior. I am a conqueror. I am a king. (laughs) But I am no God. That's why when I looked at the city, I knew there was much work to be done. I decided to appoint 120 satraps from the people who are already in the city and three administrators over them who would report directly to me. This is important to do as a king, you see. I could get soldiers and I could bark out orders and tell you what to do and how to act and where to go. And my soldiers would tell you and make sure you did it by the point of a spear or a sword. But then, 
then there would be riots, then there would be revolts. And then when the next king came to the city, you'd throw open your gates for him too. (laughs) No, as a king, I learned, you empower other people, give them power and they will serve you well. And so when I had heard that the Jewish people had been here in exile from their homelands for nearly 70 years, I knew I needed to appoint someone as one of the administrators. It didn't take long asking around. I, I knew many contacts, and as I asked and asked and asked, they all came up with one name. One name. Your man, Daniel. <laughs> there was only one problem. He was in his 80s. So I called him into my throne room and spending just a few minutes with him, I could tell he was quick of mind. He has wisdom beyond wisdom and that he would be loyal to me. He would serve me well. So I appointed him as one of the three administrators, 120 satraps under all the other administrators. And I began the work the hard work to restore Babylon, the great city Babylon, to the greatness you once had under the Persian Empire. I appointed Daniel to oversee the collection of money and distribution of funds. And as I got to know this old man, he would tell me stories about his God and your God, Yahweh. He told me about how Yahweh had taken Israel out of captivity in Egypt and parted the great Red Sea. He told me about how Yahweh had empowered his people Israel to overcome the mighty Canaanites and take over the promised land. He even told me about how Yahweh, angry at his people's unfaithfulness to him, allowed his people to be conquered and taken into captivity. (laughs) Not that I believed all of it. People tend to exaggerate their stories about their gods. But Daniel, as he gathered and met with us during our banquets, I saw that he prayed before every meal, and he often would invite people to come and worship this God on their Sabbath, on their holy day. I was so impressed with Daniel, I was preparing to elevate him above the other two administrators. That's how loyal and faithful and effective he was. A few months into my reign, there were still problems in Babylon. There were riots and skirmishes everywhere, arguments and factions and people fighting. I sat in my throne room trying to figure out what I could do, how we could fix what was happening in Babylon. And as I sat there thinking, one of the other, other administrators, Remus, came into my throne room and he bowed, he bowed so low. And he said, oh, King Darius, live forever. I think I have a solution to the problem that we're having here in the province of Babylon. And I was very interested to hear what he had to say. And he said, I, it's the priests. 
It's the priest. This one worships that God. That one worships this God. And it confuses the people. They set the people against each other. And there is confusion and divisions and fractions. That's the problem. And I said to him, what would you have me do? I wouldn't take the people's gods away from them, nor would I dare to invoke the wrath of the gods for doing so. And he was humble. He was so very humble. He said, why, declare an edict. Declare that no god should be worshipped except through you. Say that all the prayers in the province of Babylon, they don't go through the priests, but instead they are made to you and you make them on behalf to their whatever gods they worship. And I thought about it. It was a good idea. Yes. <laughs> I see. That way when things go well, the people attribute my relationship with their gods for all the things that have happened. But what happens when things go wrong? And Remus said, oh, King Darius live forever with Persia in control. No calamity will ever strike us. But if it does, we know how the gods are. The people won't blame you. They will know how fickle and angry and frustrated the gods are. They won't blame you. We know how these gods are. And so I thought about it for a long time. Remus, the other administrator, a number of the satraps sat there and waited. This was what I needed. It would solidify my power. It would focus everyone's hearts and minds on me. But then I said to him, what happens if this edict is violated. And then he smiled and he said, why? We will have them thrown into the pit of lions. <laughs> and then I smiled. I myself had those lions imported to Babylon. Those lions were the most ruthless and sadistic torturers I had ever seen. They could kill a man in an instant. Or they could drag out his pain and torment for hour after hour. Out of all the torturers I had ever employed, they were the most fearsome at stopping my political rivals. Remus had the edict drawn up and I signed it into law and declared the edict to all my people. I don't think the ink dried on the parchment before Remus and all of his people came back into the throne room. And he said, oh, King Darius, live forever. Did you not make a decree that no man should make any petition to anyone except through you? And I said to him, of course I did. And then he smiled. No, he smirked. 
And he said, right now, in this very moment, me and all present here, we saw this Jew, Daniel, who you appointed, make prayer and petition to this, 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 this Hebrew God, Yahweh. And I said to those who were with him, is this true? And they all shook their heads. And then I thought, thought that no king, no conqueror, no warrior should ever think. What have I done? Remus wasn't interested in solidifying my power. He was jealous of Daniel and was trying to destroy him. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) You're the king. You're the king. Why not just make another edict? Why not just ignore the edict? But you do not understand. No Persian king would ever go against the law once he declared it. To do so would be a sign of weakness and idiocy. If I went against my own edict, my kingdom would crumble before me. My generals would rise up and fight against me until I had nothing left. You think I had problems now? No. If I was going to save Daniel, I would have to find a legal loophole in that document. I had my best scribes and my best lawyers looking at that document that Remus had drawn up, but his people had been too specific, too particular, too perfect. As the sun began to set, Remus and his people came into the throne room and Remus reminded me, no law of the Persians can ever be undone, O king. And so as the sun slipped below the horizon, I gave the order to my guards. Find Daniel, arrest him, and have him thrown into the pit of lions. I walked through the palace. And as I made my way to the pit, I could hear the soldiers breaking into his room. The old man cried out for a moment, but just for a moment. When I made my way to the pit, soldiers had already rolled the great stone away from it that sealed them inside. I peered inside, and I could see their yellow eyes gleaning in the darkness back to me. Hungry, savage, filled with rage and hatred. When I stood back up, I looked and there was Daniel. And I wanted to apologize. But kings don't apologize. I don't know what he saw in my eyes. But when I looked into Daniel's eyes, 
I saw peace. I saw peace. Peace as he stood in the midst of his accusers, Remus and the other satraps. Peace as he stood before the king that he knew could save him and chose not to. I saw peace as this man was about to be thrown into the pit of lions and have his flesh teared from his body bit by bit and his bones crushed over and over again. I saw peace. I was about to say something, but they threw him in. I heard him hit the ground and the soldiers began rolling a stone in front of the pit. In desperation, I yelled, Daniel, maybe the God you continually serve might still save you. Remus himself grabbed the chains and wrapped them around the entrance to the pit. And some of his men took hunks of clay in between the chains and placed them in. Without much thought, I took my signet ring and sealed the pieces of clay, signifying that the pit was to stay sealed until morning. Back in my bedchambers, Remus sent musicians to my room, but I sent them away. Some of the other satraps sent me the choicest food, but I would not eat. Was it right for a good man to die to save my kingdom? As the hours passed, I knew Daniel must surely be dead by now. Sometimes the lions would play with their food, with their victims, but after a while they would bleed to death from all their wounds. I sat in my room, sleep did not find me. And I stared towards the eastern horizon. Finally, when the first slightest sliver of light shone on the horizon, I arose. I called my personal guards with me. And with my heart pounding in my chest, we walked through the palace to the pit of lions. I broke the seals with my own hands. My guards rolled the stone away. And I peered into the darkness. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything but wind and echoes. Finally, I called in. Daniel! Has the God you continuously serve been able to save you from the mouth of the lions? And I heard his voice. I heard that old man's voice. And he said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. My God has sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions. 
Because against him I have committed no crime, and against you I have been found blameless. I had the very chains that sealed the pit used to hoist Daniel up out of the pit. And even though it wasn't very regal, as soon as he was up, I threw my arms around him and I kissed the old man's neck. And when I looked into his eyes, he had that same look of peace. And more than that, he looked (laughs) well-rested. I gave my personal guards orders to take Daniel and to see to his needs back in the palace. But I held one man back. I told him to get a group of soldiers. And while it was still early, while it was still the dark hours of the morning, we marched through the city of Babylon. We grabbed Remus and all of his people, marched them through the city, and one by one threw them into that pit of lions. (laughs) I assumed him and his people would starve down there. After all, the lions hadn't touched Daniel. Maybe they were sick. But as we threw them in one by one, the lions leapt up and crushed their bones, killing them before they hit the ground. Do you know what I saw that day? Do you know what I saw? I saw when wicked men accuse God's people, God will vindicate his faithful followers. When wicked men accuse God's people, God will vindicate the people who have been faithful to him. And so I've gathered you here today that I might make an edict to the entire city of Babylon, to the entire kingdom of Persia, to the entire world that all should fear and tremble before the God of Daniel because Yahweh is the living God and his kingdom will not be destroyed. He performs signs, wonderfuls, miracles, and deliverance which no other God can. As followers of Daniel's God, I tell you as a king, Be faithful to him. Be faithful to your God. And he will vindicate you in his time, in the right place, when wicked people come against you. And because of this miracle that I have seen, I, King Darius, King Cyrus of the Persian Empire, have chosen to end your time of exile. I will allow you to go back to your city, Jerusalem, under my care and under my protection, so that you may once again worship your God in your homeland. Be faithful to your God when you get there so that he will vindicate you against the wickedness you will surely face.
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the church or make an online donation, please visit us at fbctarrytown.org.